0: Alrighty, righty, guys, uh, if you want a title for today, it's Beyond, Beyond, uh, and we'll talk about beyond what? <laughs> Partly beyond 2022, uh, what does it look like? Am I on? Uh, what's your name, Brandon? Okay. Yeah, so uh, what does the beyond look like? So that's uh, what we want to talk about so guys before you are called to something you are called to someone in 2023 in 2023 before you are called to something before you are called to something you are called to someone you are called to someone who has a purpose and a plan who has a purpose and he has a plan that he wants to accomplish through you in 2023 okay so before you're called to something you're called to someone who has a purpose and it was ordained before the foundations of the earth and who has a plan specifically tailored for you before the foundations of the earth and it all falls within the parameters of m3 which is make the father known make disciples multiply churches it falls within this 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 is a mandate for every Christian on the face of the earth make the father known make disciples multiply churches so none of us are purposeless we already have purpose but within this purpose God still has um, a plan that is for you to accomplish is for this church to accomplish in 2023. But before we are called to something, we are called to someone. What happens with most of us is we know how to write down things to do. We know how to write down goals. But sometimes we struggle with writing down God's vision for us. And the simplest way to describe God's vision for us is uh, his dream for your life. in 2023 that becomes like an overarching canopy and has portions you are to discover. And once you discover it, you can then possess it. And once you possess it, You can build on it and you have to try that in appointed time frames. Think like that. Think of a father who has a dream, his as in the father's dream. Think like that. It makes it much more fun. Doesn't make it something that, oh, the director of the universe has a role for me to play. No, every father has a dream for his child. What is a father's dream for me in 2023? Discover it, possess it, build it, and try doing it in appointed time frames. I like the way you jumped over the pew. Yeah. Yeah. I could try it, but I might fall. Any questions on those two simple things? You said discover it and then possess, it. possess it. What do you mean by possess it? Um, Accept it and receive it with faith. Because the dream will be much bigger than you and what you can do. So you have to receive it with faith. Only then can you possess it. His dr- he doesn't dream like you and I. His dreams are way too stretchy. So possess it as in receive it, embrace it with absolute faith early on. Because eh? if you can do that early on, then it's easier to dispel fear. And when you can't do that early on, it becomes hard to dispel fear because fear is going to come in. Um, doubt is gonna come in, pressure is gonna come in, uh, mistakes are gonna happen. But if I can embrace it early, then it becomes a little easier to handle all that. And he he'll give you portions of it, eh? He won't give it all in a shot. He'll give portions of it. And then it begins to develop. Build on it in appointed time frames, that's important too. And one of the things that's really helpful is remember he's not reluctant to reveal. He's not reluctant to reveal. He's not reluctant to reveal his dream for you. He's not reluctant to reveal his dream for you. He's not reluctant. He's not reluctant to reveal his dream for you. Like any father. But, and it's not a bad but, It's he expects you to wrestle and ex- extract it. He expects you to wrestle for it and extract it. Because he's God. What he has to give is precious. It's treasure. Do you want the treasure? Well, then come wrestle me a little. And extract it from me. Jesus used to do this with his disciples. Who do they say I am? Why take them through it? Why can't he just tell them who he is? No, who do you say I am? And then you get these different responses. Why? Because he's trying to extract one thing. That he knows his father is going to give someone. I don't know whether he knows who it's going to come through. But he knows it's going to come. And he's asking them, and some say "Some say you're Elijah, the prophet. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say this and that. And then one man just says, you are Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And then he says, but this revelation did not come to you by any other means but through the Father. So he wants you to wrestle so that you can extract it. So we can write down things to do. We can write down goals. But that is the Something. Before, before being called to something in 2023, we are called to someone. And part of that being called to someone will require us to go beyond a few things. Go beyond one, our individuality. And all of us will have to deal with this. There's no one exempt from it. Starting with me go beyond the natural go beyond my personality and go beyond my desire to secure the future before being and this is particularly applicable to us as a church uh, not because we are special but because he's been at this for a while so he'll demand more like sometimes you treat your older child unfairly because the old child older child has gotten more attention over the last many years and so you can demand a little extra Uh, that's kind of how it is so God God wants to go beyond he wants to he wants us to go beyond if he says you're coming to me and you want to change and you want the dream I have for you then I want you to go beyond he wants us to go beyond our individuality, go beyond our natural, go beyond that which is natural, go beyond our personality, and go beyond our desire to secure the future. And these four things are critically important to man. They're super important to us. We so don't want to go beyond this. Because none of this is really bad, but after the fall, things get distorted. God is the one who created us. With our individuality, with our personality, giving us natural things, giving us things for life. So when he says go beyond, it's because many of these things get distorted. So let's take on this and then we can come back. So go beyond individuality. Since the fall, individuality, I'll just call it I, individuality has become self-assertive. and independent. So the more I assert my individuality, the more I assert my individuality, the more I hinder growth. And sometimes what happens is individuality can pretend to be spiritual. Spirituality can pretend to be spirituality. And it's, this is one religion where it does not work. Christianity cannot be lived individually and independent. Cannot. So individuality can pretend to be spirituality because Personal growth is happening. Jesus and me. And yet, Jesus did not start off the prayer saying, my father. Jesus started off the prayer saying, our father. Jesus did not say, I was a little Christ. He said, you are a little part of the body of Christ. There is nothing in Christianity that does not match up with, that does match up with individuality it got distorted at the fall so Jacob, I guess, I mean, is to tension to, yeah 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 so i you'll have to hold it in tension because we can't i mean it, it's still prevalent in many um, tribal When I say tribal nations, what I mean is nations where being part of a clan or a tribe is important. Where if the head of a tribe accepts Christ, everybody just automatically accepts Christ. That's not how it works. Each of us makes an individual decision to enter into the kingdom. But the moment we enter a kingdom, something changes. The moment we enter a kingdom, it is not that individuality should be despised. It is that my personality, we'll get to personality later, my individuality is secondary now to the body. Yeah. But you can't enter it without individual decision making. To to it is when uh, it's a question that your dad used to uh, phrase it this way. Eddie used to say that someone approached Eddie's dad and said, uh, I'm very spiritual and Eddie's dad responded saying, who are you spiritual with? Cause it's very easy to be very spiritual. Most of the rishis and gurus in India are very spiritual. They sit alone on top of a mountain, freezing their backsides off. But who are you who, who are you? spiritual with? Every gift, guys, just think of this. You cannot practice any of the fruit of the spirit on your own. Hey, Ruth. Hi, Korean. Walk right in. Now that I've announced it, this is going to be embarrassing as you walk in. Guys, this is Korean. Uh, And uh, that's his wife, Ruth. Uh, Ruth is my mother's brother's daughter, so she and I are first cousins. So, yeah. So, now that I've exposed them, you can be at peace. Now it's all okay from here on. Okay, so, uh, back to the, what was the question? <laughs> yeah, how does it pretend to be spirituality? Guys, there's not a single fruit in the, uh, none of the fruit of the Holy Spirit can be practiced in isolation. None. Just imagine that, eh? The only gift in the, of the Holy Spirit that can be practiced in isolation is the gift of tongues. None of the gifts can be practiced in isolation. That's why sometimes the gift of tongues is the lesser of the gifts. And Paul says, desire the gifts that are better. And what does he mean by better? All he means is, can you go after the gifts that benefit others? Because the Corinthians were stuck with this idea of the, gift of, the tongues, gift of tongues being the most thing. But that is the lesser of gifts because it doesn't do anyone else any good except you. So it is easy for individuality to pretend to be spirituality. Me and my God. And it starts when you're a kid, me and my toy. That is my toy. And that just continues. So if I want to go beyond and if I, if I want to begin to discover, possess, build within time frames, the dream that God has for me in 2023, these are some of the changes that will have to happen. Eh? So individuality can pretend to be spirituality. Spirituality. Um, So here are some of the things the spirit of God keeps doing continuously. The spirit is grafting me always into imperfect branches of a perfect tree so he can flow. Individuality resists this. The spirit is always at work grafting me into an imperfect branch so let's assume I become part of this body I 'm being grafted into an imperfect branch meaning you off a perfect tree meaning Christ why so that by doing this he can flow that's the other thing eh, with the spirit of God that I mean when you when you read um, I think it's in Colossians, it says, and we, we have one Father, we drink of one Spirit. And he's not saying, I drink of one Spirit. He says, we drink of one Spirit. It is this idea of drinking from one common source. Go back to the Old Testament, it says the same thing. And then there was a rock out of which water flowed in the desert. And that rock, it talks about this in first, Second Corinthians, and that rock was Christ. There is this need for a People to drink out of a common soul. Say it's not you and God. It is this idea of us and God. Very hard to get through our heads, even after all these years, because we live such highly individualized Christian lives, right? A shift this, eh? Because otherwise I'm not saying, no, we don't have a person. Jesus had a personal relationship with God. But I relate to him personally as part of a body. It's like the different parts of my body relating to the head. They relate. I mean, my finger feels pain. But it cannot be separate because then it does not feel any pain. so we begin this way i when i receive christ as first my savior because i need saving from sin and then my lord because you can't be, accept him as lord till you accept him as savior i then enter according to first corinthians 12:13 a body called the body of christ which is universal. But that's like saying that I'm part of mankind. You don't survive by being part of mankind. You survive by being part of a family. And that family happens to be the local body that you are part of. So are there many different vacuum companies? Yes, but can you be a vacuum that belongs to the universal company of vacuums? No, you'll have to be Hoover or you'll have to be Dirt Devil or you'll have to be this or you'll have to be that. And that's where then you get customer service. That's where they decide whether you pass the test, whether your parts qualify, whether there are spare parts, whether you need to be fixed, whether you need to be emptied. Unless you're a Roomba, which just goes and empties itself. Well, let's not go there. I already talked about that last <laughs> week. I got into a lot of trouble with Bahrain. <laughs> yeah, so. So one of the things the Holy Spirit is continuously doing is, hey, can I keep working on you so I can graft you into an imperfect branch of a perfect tree? A day will come when even the branches will be just amazing. But till then, you and I are stuck. So that's one of the things he's trying. And so individuality then begins to resist us. Eh? So you don't abandon your individuality, but, you, but it is secondary. Hey, we do this continuously. Eh? Um, Aaron, uh, uh, no, let me pick on Derek and, no, even that's useless. (laughs) Okay, here's what happens. We enter, sorry, I didn't mean useless in that sense. (laughs) Sorry, I take that back. (laughs) Derek is very useful. (laughs) What I mean is, it's surprising how we do not have a problem when it comes to leaving our father's house and cleaving to our spouse and suddenly you don't even sometimes carry the name of the home you used to belong to. You become one with somebody else and then you change your names sometimes so that you're starting a new family. Now many of the traditions you used to have from your old family are washed away because you hated them anyways but didn't have the guts or the audacity to say it. And now you come into a new place and you start your own traditions. Like Derek used to meet me every Tuesday with dinner. said, Jacob, I'd love to have dinner with you. It's been many Tuesdays since that happened. There are new new traditions now that he's married. I go hungry on Tuesdays nowadays. So, how I long for those days. (laughs) Now it explains why you said what you said. That he's useless. Yeah, so. So it's fascinating how uh, the very things that we hold on to preciously as individuals begins to change um, when new mergers are formed. And you must understand that you're being merged into someone called Christ and you're merged into him by the Spirit. And in being merged into Christ, you're merged into the body of Christ. It's, 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 not, it's not possible to exist as a Christian without this. And into an imperfect branch, eh? So if, you might, you, there should be complaints in a church. If there are no complaints in the church, pinch yourself. You might be in heaven. <laughs> Tell me about it. And then he sends some people who become pruners themselves just by being in the church and just continuously asking questions or interrupting things. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Sophie. uh, No, it cannot hinder because the gifts that we have and the will benefit you and the fruit that we have can only be practiced in relationship with you. So if you, it it is impossible to be kind to isolated. I mean, how kind can I be to myself, like comb my hair? Watch, yeah, that's not kindness. It's very unkind. Um, so, uh, kindness, um, uh, long suffering, love, um, joy—these things cannot be practiced in isolation. Iris just like my joke. Yeah, so Jesus, uh, so in, uh, Paul writes, as much as possible, live in peace with those that pursue Christ. And there'll be things that we can agree with them on, and join with them on, work with them on, and then there are certain things that are meant for you to do. Like yesterday when I called you to help me move, you didn't. But I, I live peaceably with you. <laughs> <laughs> So it is possible to live peaceably with those that disagree with you. Uh, Everything doesn't have to be together. So guys, I know it's uh, getting a little absurd when we take examples like this. But we must understand that it is possible to live peaceably. But there are certain things that are specifically ours to do. And sometimes there may not be much give and take in the mandate that has been given to you. Because can two walk together except they be agreed? The question then has to be, what can we agree on? with those that pursue Christ <laughs> go ahead if you have a second question no, my, my question is if they grew up in church but they are not being kind of in the church they to but they are part of us you know, yeah so us. yeah so the thing is belonging must be provided by a family not by the individual the individual can choose to belong or not but I must provide a place to belong. So uh, this whole idea of membership requires that you belong. But what if you remove that requirement and kept it as, you and I will try and make this place a place where someone belongs, not belong so that they have a family, but belong so that they become like Christ. Critical, just think of that for a second. Our intent is not to belong so that people have a happy fellowship. That you can get at the Lions Club. The intent is: Can I provide a place for people to belong so that they become like Christ? And that is required upon us. When a person wants to, they can either choose or not to. But they should not be robbed of the option to. And they should be told that the reason you will build, the reason we provide a place for belonging is so that you get to know Christ and become like Him, not so that you become a member, not so that you feel like you belong. Because anyone who feels like they belong today can also begin to not feel like they belong tomorrow. We're not trying to provide a happy place. We're trying to provide a place where people grow. Another thing the Spirit of God will keep pushing you when it comes to individuality is He'll keep pushing you. Spirit of God pushes you To a point where you'll have to surrender, <laughs> where you'll have to make a choice, where you'll have to make a choice or surrender individuality for someone else's benefit. Or surrender individuality for someone else, for the benefit of someone else. He's always pushing you for that. Hey, eh? Why? Because this is the definition of love. There is no love unless there is a surrender for the benefit of somebody else. I mean, you newly married guys know it. How quickly you got to adjust, eh? How quickly you have to adjust. And if you don't, things begin to fall apart early. So one of the things the Spirit of God will push you in the church is, hey, I'm going to try and use people, sometimes use leaders, sometimes use people to push you where you begin to surrender your individuality or your choice, which would serve yourself for the sake of another. I mean, some of the the demands that Jesus makes in um, Matthew chapter 5, he says, hey, if Aaron has a problem with you and Aaron is at fault, Jacob, you still need to make sure that you lay down your gift at the altar and go fix things with him. But my question is, why should I go fix things with Aaron when he's at fault? If he's at fault, he should come and fix it with me, because he's the one who harmed me. And yet Jesus' demand is, in Matthew 5, 23, 24, if Aaron is, has a problem with you, and even though he's the one who's caused the problem, you, Jacob, must leave your gift at the altar, and you should go and fix things with him. That is what I mean by surrendering my individuality. Another thing Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24 is, listen, Jacob, if you can't give up your right to yourself, you cannot follow me. Crazy, huh? If you cannot give up your right to yourself, what is it attacking? My individuality. And yet, like Jill said, it is through my individuality that I actually come to Christ. And yet, after I come to Christ, I must surrender it for your sake. We become like this and 2023 becomes a year where it's easy to flow with the wind. Any questions? I'll come and sort things out later. You go and ask them, um, hey, really feel like things are broken down. Um, just want to fix things. Can we talk? But that's you have a relationship yeah. What if you don't have a relationship? Then uh, you might have to work at a relationship first or get over the harm. And do you know why he asks us to go fix it? Because if he does me harm and continues to stand in that wrong place, God will begin to have to judge him. So to prevent him from being judged, I must go fix it so that God can show him mercy. This is nuts. When he does me harm, he's done wrong. Now he stands in a place where he can be judged. Therefore, to prevent him being judged, Jacob, go fix it. So that I may lavish on him mercy and kindness. This is the kind of God we serve, man. It, it's, an, it's a crazy thing. and This is why individuality then has to be. I still remember Pawan writing to his dad or calling his dad and speaking to his dad about things that had happened. Remember you sharing it up front here? Doesn't matter whether it was his dad who wronged him, it was important for him to call and fix it. Individuality must take a must take precedence for the benefit of others. Let's go on to the next one. Go beyond the naturally. For us to begin to partake in God's dream, and when I say God's dream, I mean uh, the 2023 should be, should be a year where I get to participate in the father's dream for me that he had planned before the foundations of the earth. Before I was born, he, like the father that he is, like any good father, has a dream for his son or daughter. And he's saying, hey, I want you to walk in this dream and I want you to be able to possess it. I want you to be able to discover it. I want you to be able to then build with it. I want you to do it in a pointed time frame. But if you make these changes, it becomes much easier. Because every dream that I had for, have for you is so beyond you, so beyond you. But that's because I'm God and you are you. So the next thing that we have to go beyond is we've got to go beyond the natural. Go beyond the natural. One of the things we don't realize is things that are right, that are natural, that are valid, and that are good are the very things that keep us back from God's best. Crazy, eh? It's things that are good, things that are natural, things that are valid, things that are right, that actually keep us from God's best. And so the only way to work with this, because all this is valid, these are not bad things, eh? they're God-given things. To despise this and set it aside to live, is to live a monastic life. And a monastic life does not match with Christianity. Monastic life, again, takes us back to individuality. Always remember that, eh? A monastic life takes you right back into individuality. Because it is a life between you and God. If there was anyone who should have lived a monastic life, it should have been Jesus. After all, he's the son of God. He should have exampled us, it for us. But to go into a monastery for six months and remain silent and not talk to anybody and commune with God is a really bad idea. Get, a, get up a little early, spend an hour like that if you want, quietly, and then meet people for the rest of the day. Man, This is what Jesus would do, he'd go up a mountain, spend two three hours, Peter would look for him, couldn't find him, he'd return and then from morning to evening he'd be with people. There's nobody that God is interested more than the apex of his creation, which is man. So, when it comes to going beyond the natural, these are valid things. We're not asked to give up on it. But, for the natural... Hey, where's Joan? Okay. For the natural... Joan, I asked about you. For the natural to be turned into the spiritual it can be done only through obedience or through sacrifice let's, let's look at that eh? so um, you got two, two boys One's called Ishmael, one is called Isaac Ishmael is the son through natural birth Isaac is the son of promise for Isaac to prosper Ishmael must be Sent away. And for Isaac to really prosper, Isaac must be sacrificed. So that sounds too abstract. So let's uh, look at it this way. (laughs) Everything natural in my life, if I don't place it on the altar, will rob me of walking in God's best. Everything natural in my life. Be it my money, be it my house. Be it my family, be it my spouse. Wow, that sounds poetic, yeah, rhymed. Beat money, beat my house. Beat my family, beat my spouse. I need a third line before the rap is done. So, <laughs> Derek, can you rap? <laughs> oh, one day we were driving in the car. Jeevan, Don, Derek, me. And Derek starts rapping. It was amazing, eh? I've still not gotten over it. Iris is getting pieces of information she never heard before. Yeah. So, offering up spiritual sacrifices without offering up the natural is like giving Isaac up without giving Ishmael up. You cannot offer spiritual sacrifices without offering up the natural. Romans 12, verse 1-2. Hey, this is our spiritual worship that we lay down ourselves on the altar. Let's spend some time on this, otherwise it will sound too abstract. I cannot offer anything spiritual to God unless I first lay down the good natural things I have like my time, like my treasure like my talent, like my strength if I don't lay that down on the altar willingly, I will not be able to be spiritually effective for God we want to be spiritually effective for God without laying down things that are naturally good and it is not possible so the Bible is full of examples Hannah, bring Samuel A son is a valid thing. She's been crying for this boy. And yet what does she do? She goes, brings him to Samuel and says, uh, brings him to um, Eli and says, here's my boy. And then suddenly that which is natural becomes spiritual. Ishmael has to be sent away to the desert. And here's the thing, guys. Every time you give something natural away, God provides an oasis in the desert to feed you. Just think of that for a second. Every time you give anything natural away, you place it on the altar, God will provide an oasis for you to drink from. You send Ishmael off into the desert, out of nowhere in the middle of burning sand, there is enough water to take care of the boy. It's a win-win thing. You never lose on this, man. But it is so hard to think that we will win. So therefore, we hold on to it like crazy. And because we hold on to it like crazy, our spiritual adventures are so limited. Break it in 2023 so that you can step into it. What is it that is so precious to you that every time you think of laying down this good natural thing, it freaks you out, it frightens you? What are the two or three things perhaps that are like that in your life? It doesn't matter how many promises God sends, how many times He confirms it, you are scared to let it go because it's a valid good thing. Is it your visa? Is it your work? Is it your money? Is it your home? Is it your time? Is it your talent? Is it your treasure? Is it your strength? What is it? The moment you lay it on the altar, two things will happen. One, it will come back to life. Or two, you will be provided an oasis where there will be enough water both for Hagar and for Ishmael to drink. But as long as you hold on to it saying, I will not let go, I guarantee you, spiritual adventures will be limited. You will have Groundhog Day again with 2022 repeating itself in 2023. And that sucks. And nobody here it doesn't apply to eh. Any questions? Um it's natural to have time, treasure, talent, strength. It's natural to have um and desire. Uh, being loved and having someone to love, it is natural to have a family and it is natural to have good things in life, it's natural to have desires and dreams, it is natural to live a good life and God is saying, hey this is something that I provided Adam, it is my desire for man to have this. They're all valid, they're not supposed to be despised, they're not supposed to be shoved aside, this isn't a God who is a taskmaster who says, everything good that I have given you, give it back to me or I'll take it away. Because that's another way of thinking. Eh? There are mothers who and husbands who won't let go, who are scared that if they love their child or husband too much, God will take it away. What kind of cruel God is that? I don't want to love my child too much because God may take my God, and this is why I dislike that song, that one line in the song. The rest of the song is away. He gives and takes away. That is Job's understanding of God. It ain't the God that Jesus presented. He gives and makes away. He's not a taker. There's one who steals, kills, and destroys, and it ain't God. And yet, to now willingly, that is the crazy thing about Christian sacrifice. Christian sacrifice is exactly what parents do for their children. Or children do for their parents when parents are getting older. It is a willing, happy, voluntary sacrifice. You somehow manage to tie both your hands and legs and crawl up on the altar and decide not to leave. Though you have the power to leave. What fascinates me about Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah is simply this. Abraham is 99 or close to that. Isaac is a young kid who can outrun his father. And they both go up. And Isaac is allowing Abraham to tie him up. He knows what's going to happen, and he doesn't run. This wasn't some dumb kid who was saying, oh, is this my new bed? No, he knew an altar that he was going to be sacrificed on. And he waits as he's tied up. That's why Romans 12 makes so much sense. Um, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And then it ends with such a simple line that is so powerful. It says, this is your reasonable act of worship. Lay down the natural, guys. Because if you don't, if you don't, the natural will resist the demands of God's spiritual adventures. The natural will resist the demands that God makes. And it robs us of spiritual adventures, eh? And No, I can't. I can't give this up. If you ever want to see a man leaving an adventure sadly, always think of the rich man. And Jesus says to him, hey, sell all your goods and follow me. And just picture it for a second. Here is a man who knows he's beholding someone who is... In his mind, he calls him good teacher, but he knows he's more than a good teacher. He's asking him profound questions about eternal life. And then when he hears that line, it's a natural thing that he has to give up. And I assure you, had he given up, he'd have said the same thing that Peter said. Lord, we've laid down everything. And Jesus says back to him, in this life, you will get back this and 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 persecution and eternal life. But this man walks away and you can imagine the sadness in his heart caught between two tussles. You think it ain't happening to us? Every time you struggle with something, praise God that there is a struggle. Man, you're alive and you're trying to make a choice. If there is no struggle, use those paddles on yourself. If you can't get those paddles, ask Heidi. If there is a struggle, it's a good thing. Never be afraid of struggling in terms of making choices. It is a good thing. Something is alive in you, and he who is alive in you is the Spirit of God, and he's causing this struggle. eh? You're supposed to struggle with these things. It shows you're human and moving towards becoming a man or a woman of God. I hate the struggle, but I love the struggle. I hate the fact that I'm struggling, but I love the fact that I'm struggling. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about these kind of struggles. Therefore, the natural must be set aside if you want to fully grasp the spiritual. You've got to set it aside if you've got to fully grasp the spiritual. If not, after a while, dullness will creep in. eh? After a while, dullness will creep in. You'll get so used to having held on to something that it loses its value and your heart gets dull. dull. It becomes harder to chase after the things of God. And as long as I pamper my natural self, God is limited in his ability to engage with me. As long as I pamper it. Because he gave it to me. It's not something evil. But when I pamper my natural life, uh, he's limited in his engagement with me. There's a two more and then end. Go beyond personality. Go beyond personality. Go beyond personality. Hey, we got different personalities, eh? Hey? And you have all those briggs and distinct tests and that test. And some of us are very intro, some of us are very natural, some of us are very sensitive, some of us are very active. Some of us are traditionalists, some of us are caregivers, some of us are intellectuals, some of us are contemplatives. some of us are ascetics. Forget all that. I'll just put that down just to show you that I know a little. So, <laughs> so go beyond personality. Eh? And what I mean by that is, hey, personality is again uniquely given to you by God. So, remember that it is according to our personalities that sometimes we connect with God. Some of us during, and this is why it's important that um, when you worship, you be genuine. And yet, go beyond your personality. So start with your personality. Some of us are romantics. It'll be very easy to get really keyed on with a song that talks about loving God. Some of us are um, contemplative. You'll need a song where most of the others in church don't know what it means, but they're still singing it, but you're thinking it. So, depending on the kind of personality you have, yes, that's where we start our connect with God. And it was uniquely given to you. Everybody cannot be like me. Everybody cannot be like Jill. Different personalities. But my God, the way I connect with God is so unique and her way of connecting is so unique. And both are brilliant. But when I don't see her jumping, it does not necessarily mean that, oops, she's cold. (laughs) Nor when you see me jumping, ah, he's hot. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So the point is this, guys, that At the end of the day, your personality is how you uniquely connect with God. But one must go beyond it. Because one of the things that's happened is, because we are so highly individualized, one of the things that happens to us is we decide that this is how God made us. Therefore, this is the personality I'll stay within. And that then becomes an obstacle. I ain't doing nothing. Should I turn this off and use the other mic? I'll take the other one, wax on, wax off. Hey, the question, the question is not what personality type makes the best Christian. The question is not what personality type makes the best Christian. The question is, how do I, with my personality, grow in godly character? How do I, with my personality, grow in godly character? How do I not be abrasive? How do I not be loud? I'm just talking about myself. How do I not be abrasive? How do I not be persuasive? How do I not be pushy? How do I not be loud? How do I not be um, reckless with someone who has a different personality? How do I grow in godly character? Uh, What is godly character? Very simple, the fruit of the spirit. When my personality gets in the way of godly character, I need to change my personality. When my personality gets in the way, can I have a little more volume guys? When my personality gets in the way of godly character, and remember godly character is so that I can be a benefit to others. When my personality gets in the way of being a benefit to others, then personality must take a back seat. It doesn't matter whether it's in, a, in your marriage. doesn't matter whether it's in your relationships outside of marriage, in terms of friends and family. doesn't matter whether it's in a church. It must change, because if it persists, I am no longer a benefit to you, because my personality has become far more important. Far more important. And in a church, for the first six or seven years, the church should be built around the personality of the person leading it. But after the first six or seven years, that person must begin to step back. Because otherwise, the church will become a one-personality church. So at Acts 29, for the first six or seven years, yes, this church should have the stamp of Jacob. Even though it's built on Christ, it should carry the stamp of Jacob. It's natural. Every family is built that way. But at some point, you've got to step back so that the diverse splendor of people in the church begins to come up so that we're not singing all the old songs that I love from the 70s and the 80s, like we did today. I mean, Tuni got one in. (laughs) Heidi, cut his pay in half. (laughs) It wasn't that funny. And remember, one of the ways we change, persna- one one of the ways we, uh, dis- uh, we grow in godly character is not by self-improvement. Eh? Unfortunately, Christians are stuck in this uh, place where you think you can, uh, I-, I must love more. Jesus, I'm really sorry I didn't love. I-, I must love more. I must love more. Self-improvement is not the way. It's first by faith, man, that this already exists. I know that I can love more. I believe it. Oh God, because you have supplied me what I need and now that I know it, by faith I will begin to step into it. And then you begin to practice it. It's not self-improvement. Christianity is not self-improvement. Because we got the improver living within us, right? Otherwise self-improvement was valid. Last one. hey remember because of the fall our personalities have one chief aim control because of the fall our personalities have one chief aim control because of the fall before that we had amazing god given all of us have god given personalities but it is flawed and flawed and distorted so one of the things that happens through our personalities we want to control that becomes a chief aim can I make my spouse like me? Can I make the church like me? Can I make my workplace like me? Can I make my environment like me? Can I make my dog like me? Cats don't count. And so it's this, it's this whole thing that happens, eh? Because cats, cats have personalities that do not change. So, um, so that's how it works with the chief aim of distorted personalities. Can I control? Can I, can I have you do things that will please my personality? And the chief aim of God's personality is, can I serve with love? Can I serve with love? Not can I just love. Can I serve with love? We always think God is love. God is a loving servant. It's almost blasphemous to put those words together. But God is a loving servant. That's his nature. Jesus repeated that over and over and over again. God is a loving servant. It's part of his personality, man. Last one. Go beyond securing the future. Go beyond securing the future. If you want to step into God's dreams and adventures for 2023, you have to go beyond securing the future. You have to go beyond securing 2023. That's how you break into what God wants. When you secure the future, when you secure the future, I hate this. You step into predictable outcomes. And you opt out of You opt out of permission. When you secure the future, when you are planning to secure 2023, stabilize 2023, get everything lined up for 2023, work everything out for 2023, and you're doing with your own skill, and you become the architect of your future, you begin to operate in a place of predictable outcomes. Manageable outcomes, predictable outcomes. Because you're trying it, eh? That's one thing. That itself is so dull. The second part is you opt out of permission. As in, there are things God wants to ask you to do. He wants to give you permission for it. But because securing the future is more important, you opt out of permission. Into adventures that God has for you. Any questions on that one? Not according to Matthew chapter 6. Let me only quote Jesus' words to you. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies of the field. Your father knows before you even ask. If I can trust God's goodness to take care of my life, I can spend my life doing the things that God wants. Let's assume Sheldon was my dad. I'm far too good-looking to be your son, but let's just assume that for a second. So... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <So> <laughs> good one okay so let's assume Sheldon was my dad if I can begin to trust that Sheldon's goodness is sufficient to take care of me which is what all kids do then kids can run and be kids children behave the way they do because they know that they can trust the goodness of their dad or mom that is why they, that is why they behave the way they do if I can trust the goodness of God to take care of securing my future, then the other part takes care of. Which is why God said, hey, listen, why don't you just seek after me and uh, my ways, and I'll take care of the rest. What's he trying to say? My goodness is sufficient. My father knows your needs before you even know them. The birds know how to do this. The lilies of the fields. Uh, like I said, like I always say, it's highly irresponsible advice. But this is Jesus, so what can you do? And so he gives this advice, and he says, Now, come into it. And our our minds are screaming, saying, this is irrational. Of course it is. But we talk about this every week, so what question can you ask? You'll get the same answer. (laughs) So what is permission? Permission is God calling you. Permission is God calling you, or God inviting you. Into greater measure, into greater measure, because of how he sees you, not because of who you presently are or think you are. Love it. What is permission? What does what permission look like for 2023? Permission is God inviting you into greater measure. As in, hey, I know you, you've done enough this year, but I want to invite you into something much greater that you and I can do together. And when you look at yourself, you might think, eh, can't do that. Or you, you just can't imagine you stepping into things like this. But he's not inviting you because of how you think of yourself. He's inviting you because of how he sees you. And it's impossible to step into this if I'm consumed with securing or stabilizing my future because it'll clash. Prashant, I'll read it out. Permission, Prashant is squinting, he can't see it. Permission is calling or inviting you into greater measure because uh, of how he sees you and not because of who you, oh my God, this is really bad, of who you presently are or think you are. Okay, it's not, <laughs> it's not Prashant's fault. <laughs> Yeah. Last two lines. Permission comes with promise, guys. Permission comes with promise. Permission comes with promise. Permission comes with presence. Permission comes with provision. Because of uh, what's the provision? It's a consequence of promise believed. It's a consequence of promise believed. Just think of that for a second, guys. It's brilliant. Permission comes with promise. Every time God says, I give you permission for something, he'll give you a promise with it. Hey, Abraham. Look at the promises given Abraham. Look at the promises given Moses. Look at the promises given David. With Every, every time God gives permission, he gives you a promise from the word or from his nature. And then after he gives you the promise, he then says, okay, I'll give you my presence. Moses was so smart, eh? Okay, God, you gave me a promise, but if you ain't going, I ain't going, because if your presence does not go, I will not go. How that man thought that? You know what the problem is with the faith movement, or with sometimes charismatic Christianity, is they are happy with the promise and the provision, and they do without the presence. You take any one of these things away. And it's like trying to balance on a two-legged stool. Every time God gives you permission for something, he's saying, let me first give you a promise, out of my nature, out of the word, that you can stand on. Now that you've stood on it, hey, let me give you a presence and give you a taste of what it'll be like for the rest of 2023. Aha, so you got a taste. Great, this will keep increasing. And then the third thing is because you have believed the promise, as a consequence of believing the promise, let me give you what it looks like to provide for you. Guys, follow this order, eh? And once you get here, don't go here. Go for this. You get a taste of this, you're set. I'm done. Any questions? Uh, one, uh, like you said, it is um, God's desire. It's God's um, uh, desire to give us our desires, cause we delight in Him and are beginning to have the same thoughts. Likes. Dislikes. Psalm 37. uh, Somewhere between verse 1 and 4. 2. Can always go. And verify it. With God. And man. 3. Start at this place called. What does my last year, last year's life look like? What did God mark my life with last year? If I look at if I look at the past, if I look at the past, it'll give me an idea of what God's setting me up for, what God is setting me up for. And on the other hand, is What are the promises that kept being repeated throughout 2022 which gives me an idea of God's forward-moving direction? And then the last one is, who have I been associated with in the last 12 months or uh, influenced by? 12 months. It'll give me an idea of whether I need to change relationships or not. Non-Christians as well. well. It'll give you an idea. Sometimes God sets you up with influencers, investors that are not Christian, but you realize, ah shucks, Spent 12 months with guys who were brilliant in investing. Why? And while I spent time with them, I also notice my bank account is growing. Why? And sometimes you realize, oh my God, I spent time with some really not so good characters. And here is the past and here is the promise. I better let them go. Cool. I think the Sunday school teachers have returned. This is kind of. Not good. So <laughs> All good? Heidi will pass on communion. I think it was Evan's fault. He took so much time. Yeah. Let's pray. Father, a uh, couple of things to pray for. One, could you just watch over Jillian and Harry and May and Jane as they return over the next two days. Long flights home from Bangladesh and from the UK. Um, As they finish their mission there, Father. Father, let tiredness not hit them. Let exhaustion not hit them. Let them go with John chapter 4, verse 31-ish, where it says, my food is to do the will of the Father. Let them know what that means physically and spiritually so that they don't come back exhausted. Physical draining is okay, but not spiritually drained Abba, so that's one thing. Father, the second thing is that um, you'd give us time to go over these four things. What does it look to go beyond my individuality, my personality, all the natural things that I hold on to, and my desire to secure the future? Father, the third thing, is I go to, on this next trip to the places I mentioned earlier, Abba. Could I just put Derek in charge, so I call Derek up, Abba. This is important, Father. I never get over it. Father, so I just lay hands on him and I pray that this is your flock. You paid a price for it. It's your principle that when someone goes, that you place someone who can look after the flock. So what we ask is that Derek will have a heart like yours, that the church he'll carry like you would carry, that he'd become aware, that you Holy Spirit would show him things that are happening before they happen so that he can head them off, that he would give him the wisdom. And we, Father, recognize him right now as the one in charge. And Father, make my trip fruitful. Abba. I go not in my name, but in the name of Jesus Christ, sent by this body, to different places where we've already planted churches or are going to plant churches. Spirit of God, anoint. So we ask all this in Jesus' name. And uh, guys, if anyone needs prayer, there'll be people up front to pray for you. So feel free to come up. Otherwise, I'll see you on the 25th. I won't be here next Sunday. Cool.